0: Mission
1: incoming. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Potomac picture, picture, picture Show. show. let it.
0: Episode 0075, Mario's ailing Mexican cousin, Ario. Welcome to the Potable Picture Show, your podcast dedicated to motion pictures and drinking liquors. I'm your host, Kevin McRae. You can call me Blarv. You may have recently seen me playing Drunk Dad in a recent Reno film. We have a few things to talk about in this episode. We're mostly going to be focusing on the film Sicario, a little bit late to the table, but Better late than never, because you can still get some scraps. Well, let's get today's show started. Let's head into the cantina, into our VAP booth, and do all kinds of fun things. Well, here we are. We're in our VAP booth. Secure and safe, I'm snuggled up with my champagne of beers, the Miller High Life. I'm living the high life. It is nearly the weekend, and that is very exciting. Also joining me today, on my right side, he had a very long and hopefully fruitful day. His name is Beer Maker Matt.
2: Hola.
0: (laughs) Um, Did you take any Spanish in school?
2: Yeah, I took like three years of Spanish. (laughs) How much of it do you remember? Hola. (laughs) Hola.
0: Lately, uh, at work, because I'm, I've started a new job, I'm meeting new people. A lot of people ask me about my Chinese, and I was like, no. like I spoke it a little bit, but honestly, I haven't used it in two years, and it was never that good that I can remember a lot of it. Yeah, um, I've probably said on the, on the podcast before, I used to insist on going certain places and getting drunk and only speaking Chinese if I went to a Chinese restaurant, <laughs> which I did even in Reno, but that was like three years ago, so it's probably about been three years since I've used my Chinese. Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, I was uh, on a date with a Colombian girl last weekend. And she got a call in the middle of the date from her sister. And it was just like speaking Spanish, like a mile a minute. Yeah, And I I got like maybe three words out of that whole conversation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was like, so this one guy, this older gentleman, he's an interesting guy. um, He said, let me practice my Chinese on you. And he said something and like, it was like... um, in a movie where you see, like, a chest with cobwebs slowly opening. It was like, okay, it's been so long since I've heard Chinese, and it's usually pretty easy for me to hear um, white people's Chinese, yeah. as long as it's decent than sometimes Chinese Chinese, because some Chinese has, like, some very weird accents. Yeah. So I was like, okay, wait, okay, I wasn't really... My brain wasn't ready for you to say that. I, I was like, okay, you said this, 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 this. Okay, but it was just... It was so foggy to me. Um, I would... I would like to pick up on my Chinese again, yeah. or I would or like to learn Spanish now that I'm working at the airport and it's easy to get to Spanish-speaking countries. I think
2: if you, yeah, if you don't use it often, it's one of those things that it, it's hard to to hold on to.
0: Yeah, I think maybe if if you're pretty fluent, it won't go away. But as I said, I never was yeah. was
2: too fluent. Um, like if you grew up speaking it or something.
0: Yeah, I did. I did put a Facebook post saying, uh, "Anyone out there with a couch, let me come visit you." And and Handsome Rob sent me a message. He's in Spain. He said, I got, I got a floor if you want to come to Spain. I was like, I fly into Madrid. He's like, I'm not too far from Madrid. Maybe we could meet up. So that's a good thing. Thanks, Handsome Rob. Um, I don't know when that can be. It's hard to fly standby basically between now till after the year, although I might. Especially to, internationally. Well, anywhere, just because yeah. of Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, it might be easier internationally.
2: Uh,
1: it's
0: kind of true. I don't know how many, you know, I don't know. Oops, my notes died. Um, I was going to talk about that I went last night to see the premiere of one of the projects I worked on. And I was kind of nervous about that, mostly because I was in it. Actually, entirely, I wouldn't be nervous otherwise. Um, Matt, when you were doing film stuff and you were teaching film or looking... Like people that are, I don't know what you'd call them, advanced... Advanced hobbyist people that know their stuff what was like right. a, a common mistake you think you, you saw people do or or maybe not a mistake just something that that might poke out
1: with me
2: it that. was a lot of kind of the the shot setup, like especially the because a lot of what i dealt with was the the post yeah um So, a lot of editing mistakes as far as, like, you know, you see somebody walking up to a door. um, And there's kind of a gap.
1: Yeah. Awkward.
0: Yeah. So, there was some of that in this. So, what I'm going to say right now is kind of nitpicky because um, this project was better than anything I've ever done. Um, And I'm jealous in some way. I actually am jealous of a few people. I I have, like, a real weakness for setting up shots. Like, I always think they're going to look nice, and then they don't. So, this kid... He's really young. He's like eighteen or nineteen, um, but he he's his his eye and the the quickness with which he gets um, images is really good. But one thing I, I've noticed, um, and he actually used lighting. I was complaining about p- people not using lighting. Um, you know, this is more like. I was talking to Heathen about this. Now that people have computers and iPhones, everyone thinks they can go out and make a movie, <laughs> and they don't do things like, um, like the right eye level, like the rule of thirds. I right. was t- teaching Heathen about like the rule of thirds, where like, you know I'm looking at shots and like there's a, a whole bunch of headroom, and the person's like sh- right in the middle of the frame or like, <laughs> just weird looking. Um, a lot of people not using lighting. I've even asked about it on projects like, why are we not using lighting? Because there's even been lighting there. Yeah, accessible. I know that some people might not be able to use lighting because they don't have the money for it. Because we're talking about, um, you know, projects that are zero budget. Uh, But even on projects with that, like I've used reflectors and things like that with with the sun and and do the best I can. But one thing I've noticed a lot, and it, it happened on this project and I've seen on others, is a lot of, especially visual filmmakers, they really skimp on the audio. And movies are half video and half audio. I mean, there's not really silent films anymore. And people, uh, here's a tip for everyone at home. Go and get the best microphone you can afford, even if it's $10, $20, $100 at Radio Shack. Don't use the microphone that's built into the camera. <laughs> Don't do it. A, a lot of people think they can get away with it. There's another project I'm working on where they're doing the same thing. They're like, I'm not going to use it. They, they same thing, they have a microphone in the car, but they're going to use the microphone as part of the camera. Don't do that. I've never worked on a project that way. Not not PSAs. Not even when I'm like, you know, was working at like um, doing public access stuff, doing interviews with whatever. Don't ever use that 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 microphone. Um, w- one thing is, it's very noticeable when you see the project, and it takes it from like seeming professional to seeming somewhat shoddy. Um, you get like a, a a mix of audio volumes. If you're editing like you're doing the, the the traditional like shoot him shoot her kind of thing, you're gonna get a weird mix of background noise. So that took me out. On the other side, the the kid did commission some music for the film, and music can go a long way too. So that that added a huge effect. But anyway, for you guys at home,
2: um, well, yeah, and it's it's really cheap nowadays, especially to get a. Uh, audio recorder mm-hmm. uh, to hook up some mics and you can do some quick audio adjustments right there on.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I can understand if you don't have that much money, but get a ten dollar mic or something. And and, and 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 if you can't afford a, a boom, then just you know tape it to a mop. <laughs> <laughs> do something like that. Uh,
2: so, so you're saying the audio on this project was not.
0: It was. It was all right. Um, it's on YouTube now. We could watch it if you. Well, you might be too tired afterwards. It's like an hour long. Um, another thing is kids really good at getting shots and stuff, but it's sort of like what you were saying, Matt, it, that uh, occasionally, because he's so used to it, he, I don't think he always got covered. So like all of my scenes were basically one take, and mm-hmm. there was little things that could have been fixed with editing. that were awkward. Um uh, one thing I noticed that was kind of slight was um, matching eye lines. So if I'm talking to you and you're talking to me,, yeah. but they're doing we're doing individual like single shots of each other. but, I'm doing what I'm doing now and basically looking that way <laughs> away from you. Uh, but most people look at each other at least a little bit. So there was some of that. There was some of like people facing one way and then the next shot, they're sort of at a different angle. It, it sort of worked because a lot of this short film, it's a fan film for um, Nightmare and Elm Street. It takes place between Nightmare and Elm Street 1 and 2. It's kind of a bridge. And a lot of it happens in the nightmares. So it's all right to have some of that confusing, you know, looks. But there's... Uh, Again, as far as editing, there's a part where I'm in it where I'm walking towards the door with like a bottle of vodka in my hand and I go to take a drink of it and then put it in my pocket. And it's obvious that I didn't take the cap off. Actually, it's not obvious I didn't take the cap off. (laughs) It's obvious that I must not have when I put it back because I don't make any motion of putting the the cap back on. I just put it back in my pocket, which, you know, maybe, maybe I was thinking maybe I'm so good at drinking that I just loosened it up with one hand. Or something like that. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, maybe I'll throw up a link on um, um, the website, potablepictureshow.com, if you want to go check out the YouTube video or just YouTube um, or search YouTube, put in something like Trial by Fire Nightmare. It's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Trial by Fire. It's a fan film. It's
2: been a while since I've seen The Nightmare on Elm Street, so I'd definitely like to check it out. It
0: was interesting. As I said, it turned out in a lot of ways better than I expected. Um, A couple of my lines that I thought were going to be bad were. So (laughs) other parts weren't as bad as as I thought, but there was ones I was like, that's, you know, that's going to be. Because I I mentioned on the podcast, I did a lot of acting to no one, just talking to like green screen and stuff like that. And it came across really shitty on my (laughs) part, not on the film's part, but. I did uh, there was a review out for the film that I watched today just before the podcast and no one called me out particularly so that's a good thing. <laughs> I wanted someone to say that drunk dad he play, he played a good drunk. Uh, Maybe he
2: wasn't playing. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: yeah. That's what it seems like. I was like, man,
0: I look wasted. All right, what else do I got? do I have anything else in my notes I was going to talk about before we go into the news. Oh yeah, if you're new to the show, anytime you hear a sound about hitting a baby... Uh, that's that's fine to hit this baby. Then go ahead and drink along with us. I'm going to take my first sip of High Life. <laughs> <sighs> Matt had a very long day. I didn't have a long day, just up early. I tried to sleep on my lunch break, but... I feel weird sleeping in my car where there's people that can see me, so I kept... I went to, I went to go drive around the corner to sleep in my car during my lunch and then someone was following me and I didn't want to see them to just like see me like pull right. into an alley.
2: Right.
0: So I ended up driving all the way
2: home <laughs> and not sleeping and I'm tired. Yeah, I think I'm... Did almost a 13-hour day today. So it was fun. All right. In film
0: history today...
2: In film history...
0: So doing these in-film history segments are interesting because today's the 19th, and I don't know when this is actually going to go up because I probably won't edit it tonight. It's possible I won't edit it tomorrow. Um, tomorrow I'm doing some trailer checks right after work. So maybe maybe I might be able to do I'm doing uh, Hunger Games in the day night before tomorrow. Um, so maybe I'll be able to do it after that. Saturday I was going to go be an extra at Bonanza Casino. I don't even know where that's at some project that's out of town here Hmm. again not paying anything i need to get my imdb page up so i can say man in the crowd for (laughs) for this scene um but today in film history i've been doing a lot of birthdays i don't know why that's almost the only thing i've done almost in film history but uh today is on november 19th 1962 jodie foster was born you might know her from Um. many things Particularly, I think she's uh, particularly well known now from *Silence of the Lambs*. But uh, I think she was the the youngest actress to be to win for a while to win an Academy Award uh, way back in the '70s when she was like 14 or 13. I don't know. I don't have anything else to say about Jodie Foster. I don't know what she's done recently.
2: <laughs> yeah, the last thing I remember her in was she wasn't in um, that Matt Damon film, was she? I don't know which Ob- one it is. Oblivion I, or whatever it was. I don't think... Oh. Not Oblivion. Uh, I know what
0: you're No, that was like Link. Close. Let me see. I know what you're talking about. Matt Damon. I'm looking on IMDb. Damon. So, where's your, where's your videography, Matt Damon? Um, here we go. <laughs> He's been in 72 films. That's it? That's kind of a lot. Elysium? <laughs> Elysium, yeah. Yeah, okay, it was Jodie Foster that was in that. Huh. With some other people I don't know. Like, I don't know. I know that guy. I just didn't know that was his name. <laughs> this isn't very good for people at home.
1: Just looking at faces that, guy.
0: that no one can see. That's a white guy. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, Jodie Foster's all right. That was uh, Today in Film History. <laughs> Let's head into the news. I got-
2: The newsman will come on he'll go, he'll go, good evening, everybody. This is the newsman. Whatever he says, he's not going to say that. <laughs> and he goes, our top story tonight.
0: So I got a few movie tidbits. None are really news. They're just interesting, I guess. Um, that's in your in someone's opinion, if they're interesting or not. <laughs> so in the movie, there's a deleted scene, or not a deleted scene, a scene that never made it to the final version of X-Men First Class. And it's Professor Xavier and Magneto fighting together to team up on a seven-foot-tall giant retard. And (laughs) it sounds kind of interesting. The idea was, what would happen if you were in a room with no metal and you were fighting something so stupid you couldn't use telepathy on it? So, it turns out you fight a seven-foot-tall giant retard. And... uh, (laughs) And I guess what happens in the scene that was filmed is they just beat the shit out of the guy, like physically. <laughs> and there's like a bear head on the wall or something like that that Xavier like slams on the guy's head, and then Magneto like twists it around till the thing's neck breaks. Sounds kind of gruesome, but they said probably the reason it wasn't included is it just came across really silly and it changed the tone of the film. Wow. Not that the film not that the film was like 100% dark and serious, but <laughs> They just said that it was silly. Uh, uh, McAvoy, who plays um, Xavier, he said it was a really, really fun uh, scene to shoot. Though, <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't mind seeing that if they have it in some video extra somewhere. Did they say if this retard had like a power or was he? Just... I, I just think he was retarded, and that was his power: is you couldn't use mind control. Wow. <laughs> And I don't know, like, the setup of the scene, like, how they end up in a wood cabin with a seven-foot-tall, you know, inbred. I'm not really sure how that works. But I would like to see, you know, Professor X kicking the shit out of someone physically. Yeah. Because, you know, he ends up in a wheelchair. (laughs) Force Awakens, as everyone knows, everyone's calling for, where's Luke Skywalker? We don't see him in the trailer. We don't see him on the poster. No one knows the secret other than... um, that uh, supposedly it's it's all intentional. He is in the film because you can see his name, Mark Hamill, you can see his name at the bottom of the poster. Uh, but we don't know why he's being kept secret if it's because of some big reveal, if there's a if there's a physical look to him, if they um, there's a, there's a lot of speculation. but anyway, they finally Mark Hamill himself has come out to talk about it a little bit. He said he signed a uh, non-disclosive agreement. Um, you know, one of those NDA agreements, sometimes I've been asked to sign those when I meet with someone about working on a film or something like that, like uh. a script. They're like, we've got an idea, we want to work together, you got to sign this though so you yeah. don't steal our idea. And I was like, your idea is stupid. <laughs> um, so there's a clause regarding the big secret, and Mark Hamill gets a lot of money if the secret doesn't come out. Uh. So he has his own reason to keep the secret and try to keep it hidden. Um, if the secret leaks, Hamill loses out on a, some, uh, on some amount of money, the amount of money, they don't know how much, but chances are it's a lot. He said he had a similar deal during filming empire strikes back, um, that if he kept the secret before the day, before the movie's release, he got paid. And, um, and like I said, he compares it to the Darth Vader reveal that, uh, I am your father. Only George Lucas, the director, Irvin, Kitchener, and Hamill knew the truth about who Darth Vader was. On set, there was a different line spoken when they filmed it. Uh. The line spoken on set by uh, David Prowse, who was the uh, physical body of Darth Vader. Of course, not, not almost the uh, the voice, but the physical tall dude. Um, the line spoken was that Obi-Wan Kenobi had killed Luke's father. So Hamill, is, he's proud of his success at keeping secrets. He says he hasn't. He didn't tell anyone. Even back then, he didn't even tell his wife. And um, he said he's not even supposed to confirm that he's in Episode 7. But as I said, everyone knows that he is because his name's on the poster. <laughs> yeah. Last little tidbit. Peter Jackson came out to say why The Hobbit sucks. He says that uh, basically what happened, and if you remember, that he wasn't supposed to direct these films. He was producing them. He had other projects going on. Guillermo del Toro was supposed to direct the Hobbit films. And I think at that time it was only going to be one or two. It wasn't going to be all three. Um, but del, del Toro had to, had to jump out last minute. And Jackson ended up having to fill in and direct. And he didn't do any of the prep work. So Lord of the Rings, movies I like, he did years and years of prep work on that. Like just, you know, everything you do as a director plus more for, for such an epic movie. You got to get it down to the to the moment. So, when Jackson took over, um, he didn't have any storyboards. The script wasn't finished. He was working on the script, and that's what he was going to do for the film. But since he had to start directing, he couldn't finish the script. So, he was filming a movie without storyboards or a Mm -hmm. script that was finished. Um, He said he didn't even really try to prepare for the movie. He said it was impossible. What's his quote on here? It was impossible, and as a result of it being impossible, I just started shooting the movie with most of it not prepped at all. So...
1: um,
0: (laughs) I thought there was other reasons why the movie sucked besides that, maybe... I I guess Guillermo del Toro was gonna go in a completely different direction too, and that's another reason why Peter Jackson had to scrap everything. I don't know what direction he was going in, probably a better direction, because I thought The Hobbit movies really sucked, but... But again, as I've mentioned before, The Hobbit book versus The Lord of the Rings book is very different. The Hobbit book is a kid's book, The Lord of the Rings is an adult's book, so to me, it went along with the movies. The Hobbit movies were more of a kid's movie, and I didn't really have a problem with that. I went in knowing that it was going to be a kid's movie more, and I wasn't probably going to like it as much. Even being a kid's movie, there was some ridiculous scenes, I thought, that were a little bit over the top. But I think maybe if I was a six-year-old kid, I would like to see a bunch of dwarves going down a river, shooting people. In barrels. Yeah, in barrels. (laughs) Like the second movie. The second movie was such a hunk of shit but (laughs) to me. Uh, And the third movie... It was Battle of the Five Armies. I mean, that's all it was. Yeah. And a stupid love story that no one fucking cared about. <laughs> I don't know why everything has to chisel in a love story. You don't need a love story in everything. Dwarves love battle. They don't need to love elves.
2: Yeah, especially with elves and dwarves.
0: Yeah, that's just gross. Even it's evan- Evangeline Lily. Don't make handsome dwarves. They don't exist. Go watch um, Freak Show from, from uh, American Horror Story, which I'm catching up on. Yeah, not good-looking people. <laughs> All right, let's go into... you have anything to say about any of those
2: news before
0: we go into Cocktail Corner?
2: No, I was going to say, I thought I saw at least an image um, of Mark Hamill, but he was looking kind of chubby in the last film he was in, yeah. The Kingsman. Yeah.
0: Oh, I did have one more uh, news that I I didn't really write down. I just thought was interesting. So... Um, Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt are in a film coming out called Passengers. I don't know anything about it other than it's supposed to be some sort of sci-fi movie. And it was Jennifer Lawrence's first sex scene that she's done. And she was so nervous that she just got really drunk before the sex scene. <laughs> and then she said that made it worse. She went home almost like like rape guilt or something. Wow. She's like, what did I do? <laughs> what did I do? I feel so bad. And it brings me to something kind of interesting going back again to these well, at least they're getting paid for this, and these are films that are going out. Um, some of these local films, P, uh, some girls have done scenes, again, they're not not—they're not porn movies, they're real movies, and girls have done maybe certain scenes they weren't that comfortable with, and they don't want it to go out, and, and uh, this girl asked my opinion about should, should she allow it to go out or not, and I said, well, well I'm, you, you need to make that um, judgment for yourself, because I can't judge what's comfortable for you or for not, and I said, for me, I could really do anything. I don't really have any shame or anything like that. And I know it's acting. (laughs) Even though I know it's acting, it would be hard. I think it would be difficult for me to kiss a guy in a film. Like, it would be hard for me to play a gay character, even though I know it's acting. Yeah, I'm just not that good of an actor, I suppose. But... You don't think it would be genuine? (laughs) I I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I guess I'd give it a try. Like I said, I I would do anything. I would shave my hair. I would probably do nudity. I would uh, simulate sex with a goat. I don't I don't I don't really care. That stuff doesn't bother me because That's I, like
2: one of the uh the roles that a lot of straight actors are looking for to diversify their portfolio is looking the gay, for the goat. The gay. goat fucking yeah. I
1: think
0: I have a sound about that. I have sex with a goat. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know, yeah, because you know it's either play like uh, be, go gay or play you know that's you know that's where they they you know, Oscar bait material yeah um but for for a drama it would be harder for me because I'm not a very good actor but like for a comedy I you know I I'm, I'm like more of like how Melissa McCarthy is I would do anything even if it's physically damaging for like a laugh if they say like hey we need you to fall out of this moving car I'll be like shit I'll try it. <laughs> like I, if you think it'll look funny not like my brother who will just do it to make people laugh but yeah. I think it'll look funny for a film I was like yeah. oh I'll fall out of yeah. the car I don't care you want to hit me with a with a with a shovel just try not to hit me too hard yeah um, I have I have a scene and and one of these projects I'm working on where this girl's supposed to slap me super hard and I'm just gonna tell her just fucking hit me hard because I want it to look real yeah. hopefully we don't do a bunch of takes on it. Yeah, make sure you do it right the first time. And uh the the hard part for me I think in that will be looking like I'm not expecting it. Yeah. Um w- one scene that I did recently is I'm come to this girl's house and I knock on the door and I burst my way in. And we did it a couple takes. And then one of the later takes is she started resisting on the door, and it surprised me. So it was realistic because I fought back against her, and I like slammed her like against the wall on the door, against the wall. And I was like, that was a great take. Hopefully you got that. But if we had to do it again, I know it was coming. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna see me like flinching when I'm ready to get slapped or something like that. But hopefully we can um, we can choreograph that pretty well. I, I've taken classes on stage combat when I was in high school, but I've never done any type of fighting for a film really. Um, No, I don't think I've done any. Uh, I've done stuff with like guns and things like that, but I've never done like choreographed a fight. This isn't a fight. This is just me getting hit. But again, I wanted to. And there's ways it can look all right. I was watching Scream Queens where one of the girls slaps the other girl, and all they do is it's like a very wide take, and it's all done with sound. Yeah. And you know, like the early Rocky movies when you look at them now, and it's obvious that the the, the punches are like a mile away. (laughs) But with sound, when you're younger, you're like, oh yeah, he's getting his ass kicked. Alright, now I guess I'll head into Cocktail Corner.
2: I see America drinking. The fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting yeah. stinking on something I stir or shake. Heaven,
0: so, because we're doing Sicario, we're going to do a tequila drink. Um And this is another invention, which means it's probably not going to turn out very well, but we'll see. I was very lazy and tired about going and getting ingredients, and just before the podcast started, I was like, well, maybe I can come up with something. So, Matt, um, so in front of Matt, we've got two margarita glasses filled with ice. Go ahead, and what I did is I had a tea bag, green tea, it's a green tea uh, pomegranate-flavored which I seeped and then I put in the freezer for a little while to make it chilled. So if you want to distribute the iced tea evenly between the two cups,
1: mhm, mhm,
0: pouring out of the owl cup, and if it gets a little bit too sloppy, that's fine. You don't have to, and then looks pretty good and then if you want to put in we're gonna put in two ounces of tequila in each cup so you could just basically fill up that shot glass and maybe a couple extra drops and as I said I haven't tried this so we'll see how it goes I did see a recipe for it was um, I like to make simple syrups I've talked about that on the on the uh, podcast before mint simple syrups and things like that there's a chamomile tea simple syrup and, um, it was like lime juice, grapefruit juice, chamomile syrup, and tequila. And then the last thing is we have some of that key lime juice. i re- I wish we had fresh juice, but don't like put like just like four drops because <laughs> it's yeah, that's good. We don't need a whole lot of that because it's a little bit goes a long way. Mm-hmm. again, if we had a I had a fresh um, lime would be a little different. We'll see how this goes. It's an interesting color. I was going to drink to that. Netflix's Marvel, or Marvel and Netflix, have a return tomorrow of their next after Daredevil. They have Jessica Jones starting on the 20th. It's actually going to have the full season up at 12.01 Pacific time tonight. I was looking to see if it would come out early like it did with Daredevil, but um, uh, that will be something I'll try to binge watch as much as I can. I don't usually binge watch any shows, but like I said, Daredevil was the only show I've really binge watched. I watched the whole thing, and a weekend, which I never do. It takes me like two years to watch a season of something. So hopefully it's good. I've read a little bit about it. I've seen the previews. It looks like it might be something up my alley. And if it's half as good as Daredevil, I'll be be all right with that. Well, the tequila's on top. So that's what you're tasting. Um, I'm trying to mix it around a little bit. So in China, they drink green tea and scotch, which sounds gross, but it's really good. Right now, Matt and I, we our, our tequila's on top, so we're getting that up front, but so we're kind of trying to do a little swirl and see how much it comes up. I don't know. It's a, it's a, weird, it's a weird blend of taste. Yeah. The um, weediness of the tea... Um, you know, it's, it's just, it, I don't know if the weediness or the maltiness I'm getting from the tea is going with the tequila as much. I think the weediness goes with scotch okay because they're sort of similar flavor profiles. I don't know what flavor profile tequila is in. It's just in the tequila profile. It's all on its own. It's in the, it's in the agave te- cacti profile.
2: Well, yeah, it's a whole lot of bitter.
0: Well, it'll get it done, I suppose. <laughs> Woo all right. Um, I'll give you my thoughts on that as the as the flavors marry a little bit more. <laughs> I don't think I have anything else in feature presentation or before feature presentation. We still have a secret word going back, but let's head into feature presentation and talk about Sicario. <laughs> So this week, the film club saw Sicario um, a little bit late to the party, but actually the theater, it was a small theater given that, but it was really full. Uh, I, I, Even the host who was hosting this time were like, this film's been out two, almost three months. There's probably going to be no one in there. And it was, again, a smaller theater, but it was pretty much full.
2: Yep. I had to sit in the front row.
0: Yeah. I almost moved. And I'll I'll talk about that when I do my (laughs) regular Kevin rant. Um, I think Heathen and I, were just lazy. We're, we're We're talking about drafting up another letter to the film group and maybe paring down membership, trying to make the group more exclusive. But we'll talk about that later if I remember. First, Sicario had a runtime of 121 minutes. Here's the synopsis that came from Lionsgate website. From the director of Prisoners comes... This taut, critically acclaimed thriller filled with pulse-pounding suspense. I love pulse-pounding suspense. (laughs) After an idealistic FBI agent, played by Emily Blunt, is recruited by a government task force official, played by Josh Brolin, to pursue a drug lord, she begins a perilous mission that forces her to question everything she believes and puts her against a shadowy consultant. Played by Oscar winner Benicio Del Toro. And he has a dangerous agenda. Um, so we have Emily Blunt. She plays Kate Macer, Benicio Del Toro as Alejandro. Josh Brolin as Matt. John Bernthal. You might know him as Shane from Walking Dead. He played Ted. Um, this is directed by Dennis Villanueva. Vin- 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 it's not a Villanueva. Vin- a- Way- a- but it's something like that. Vanilla Wave, <laughs> Vanilla Wafer. He, has, he hasn't uh, directed a whole lot of other things besides Prisoner. Um, and I believe the screenwriter, it is uh, Taylor Sheridan. He was the writer of, of Prisoners also. These two together, um, I don't know if it's their next project, but coming up they're going to be doing the, uh, the next Blade Runner. Um. I don't know if it's a remake or a spin. I think they're doing a girl as a lead on the next Blade Runner, but... I'm all right with the choices, even though these guys only have two pictures in their bag. I, both of them are pretty dark and fairly. I don't remember Prisoners being very visual, but both of them had like a good atmosphere. Talking
2: Blade, Blade Runner's kind of dark too.
0: That's what I mean. So I think I think they'll be they'll be good for for that. The word uh, at the beginning of the film, we get a title card that tells us the meaning of the word Sicario. And uh, this isn't exactly what the title said, but I'll tell you what Sicario means. The word Sicario derives from the Latin word Sicarius, meaning dagger man. The term was used by Romans to describe Jewish zealots who killed Roman citizens using a sicay or a small dagger, hidden in their cloaks. The word Sicario is used in Spanish, Portuguese, and Italian. And as the film told us, Sicario now means in Spanish, hitman. Um, so that's the title of this film is, is Hitman. Let's see, uh, Benicio del who was probably my favorite character in the film. I, I did like Josh Brolin's, not that I like them. I shouldn't say I, I like the characters, but as far <laughs> as what was interesting to watch, I, I thought Josh Brolin was interesting, but I but I thought Benicio del was really interesting. I've liked him in most things. He was in Snatch. He was in um, Usual Suspects. He's mostly silent in the movie. Although, um, initially, he had more lines. In the original script, the character explained his background several times to Kate, Del Toro says. And he, Del, Tor- uh, Del Toro says, that gave me information about who this guy was, but it felt a little stiff to have someone you just met 15 minutes ago suddenly telling you what happened to him and who he is. So I'm glad they took that out, because as I said, that's one of my peeves, is when you know they're doing very obvious exposition, like, I'm a very angry man. Because a drug lord killed my family and kids a long time ago. So if I'm not friendly to you, that's why. You know, like that's like really shitty dialogue. So I'm glad they took that out. I'm sure it wouldn't have been that bad, but that's essentially like <laughs> what he would have said. Um, working with the director, Del Toro began cutting some of his own dialogue to preserve the mystery of who the character is. Uh, Villeneuve estimates they cut 90% of what Del Toro originally intended to say um, in the script. But the director also saw power in stripping the character down to a brooding silence, stating that dialogue belongs to plays and movies are about movement, character, and presence. And, and I totally agree. Like, uh-huh. Del Toro had a, had a few lines, but it's one of those times when you have, like, a quiet guy that when he talks, it's more important about what he says, because you're like, shit, this guy has something to say yeah. now. What's he going to do? Um, he was really, really interesting to watch in, in the film. There was some segments in the film uh, where they had uh, the soldiers had thermal vision. So these were actually shot with FLIR SC8300 thermal vision cameras. They were not added in post-production, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh. I don't really didn't really think about it when they're filming it. I mean I vaguely thought about it. like I assume most stuff's done in post-production. This wasn't. Here's an interesting fact for people that think Emily Blunt is sexy. While filming in Mexico, Emily Blunt got stuck with diarrhea. In the scene where they are driving to Juarez, her character looks sweaty and pasty as a result of Blunt's illness. So that wasn't acting. That was her trying to keep the shits in. Um, The director describes the film as a dark poem, which I think is is interesting. Uh, Leaving the film... Well, one thing going into it, or leaving the film, I was surprised how much I liked watching it visually. I did get um, fatigued at a certain way. They used Hmm. a lot of shots that I'm not used to seeing, and I I don't know if they have a term for them. I'm calling them medium wide shots. So there was a lot of wide shots, but they weren't great landscapes. But they weren't tight. They weren't like medium shots either. They were like that's as close as I can think of it. Medium wide shots where they were show parts of the city, cars driving, people walking or whatever, and you know the people are fairly prominent, but not like a your regular medium shot. But a lot of the shots were, were were really interesting, even things with just like cars driving into a building with the camera craning up over like a wall to follow the cameras. little things like that
2: kept me interested um yeah, I my favorite shot in the whole movie was a sunset shot where it's just a still shot of this this soldiers, the delta force walking into the sunset kind of into the dark mm. Mm-hmm. From the sunset. And yeah. And kind of see them as they're going into the darkness, flip their night vision cameras down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Again, I just, I did not expect a movie about um, uh, drug wars in ghetto Mexico to, to look. At. So I can't say the shots were, they weren't pretty. They just were put together really well. They were, they were, they were nice to look at. And I think even from someone that doesn't come, even if you go into a movie, like, I don't sit there and watch a movie that analytically. Like, I'm not that kind of person. But I think even people less than me can still subconsciously appreciate, um, even if they don't notice it. Just like good and bad editing. You won't notice good editing, but it can put you in, in a certain feeling. I, I think one of the guys in our film group, because he's like, what did you think about it? And the first thing I said, I was like, it was nice to watch. He's like, but did you like the plot? Like, I don't know. It seemed like he maybe didn't like the movie. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, I don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they all kind of stared at me when I kind of gave my feedback. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean,
0: the story was all right, too. Uh, One of the things... Let me get your take on this, Matt. If I had something that I'm not sure if I liked or not about the movie, is we had the main character, Kate, played by Emily Blunt, who, for the most part didn't have it's that old um if you've watched the the big bang theory where they talk about indiana jones being a shitty movie because indiana jones (laughs) doesn't affect anything in the movie right yeah that's how i got from this is kate had no effect on the movie she didn't really matter if she was there or not there she was basically a tool she didn't affect anything that ever happened i don't think um I mean it could have been anyone she was more like our eyes we were supposed to experience the film through her and her experience and her uneasiness because we don't know she doesn't know why she's there she doesn't know what's happening she tries to get answers but really she's ineffectual she doesn't do anything except for get nearly raped and killed mm-hmm. and as I said if you took her out of the script and put in someone else it w- it wouldn't have mattered she had no effect on any of the plot lines at all other than you know getting um shot <laughs> yeah. when she's wearing her bulletproof vest and uh, and then like i said uh, um going out nearly like shane did in in the first walking dead like almost the same dialogue like this is on you isn't that what rick says to him something like that when he's killed when yeah. rick's killing shane in the first yeah. one and that's what shane's telling her or not shane i don't know what his name what i said his name is <laughs> in this this is you. You did this.
1: <laughs> so
0: I don't, I don't know. I didn't really think about that while watching the film, but afterwards I was like, well, cause I kept, I kept hearing about how this was another good example of a female empowerment movie and like a very strong female uh, lead character. So hearing that, that's what made me think about it. And I was like, well, I don't really get that.
2: No. Yeah. That it could have been a male playing that yeah. role. It, the, the, purpose of that character was to, to show that the fruitlessness of that that role so that, yep. there's nothing you can do to change the circumstances that you're just there uh to serve a very specific purpose and you have no idea what that purpose is and i'm not sure you know
0: and, and for a main character in a film they usually have a an arc or a, a path or usually it's a Oftentimes, it's a physical growth and a mental or emotional growth. I'm not really sure what she achieved, how much different she was from the beginning to the end, other than being more distrustful of the government. (laughs) Like, I don't know how much her character evolved or, you know, from point A to point B, what her growth was.
2: Well, yeah, I think she actually did, like, an anti-growth through the movie. So she, yeah.
0: I mean, she did stick to her guns at the end is, is they try to get her to sign off on this paper saying they did everything by the book, and she said, no, I'm not going to sign it. And She doesn't sign it, right?
2: No, she signs it. Oh, she does eventually yeah.
0: sign it, and then she goes to shoot him, and then yeah. she doesn't. Okay, so yeah, so she's just a pussy then. Um, I thought she didn't sign it. I was drinking during the movie, and that was the very end of the movie. <laughs> my drink was almost as disgusting as this drink. It was like everything on my shelf that has a- alcohol in it, plus some iced tea. Uh, all right. What else did I write on here? <laughs> that was actually about it. There's one thing I, I this is, I, I see this sometimes in films and um, you saw this a lot in cowboy movies and it made sense, but there's a part where Kate um, goes with her partner to this cowboy bar and she goes up to the bar and the bartender goes over to her and she says two beers. I don't, I've never been in a bar where you can do that. Like the you can maybe say, I'll have a whiskey and they'll pour you a well whiskey, but usually they yeah. still ask. but I've, I don't know. Everyone at home, go into a bar and say, "I'll have a beer," and see if they just bring you a beer and not like ask you what yeah. kind of beer you want. It just
2: and that that stood out to me too. And then I was thinking about it, and I mean, one, you you don't really want to pay somebody to you know advertise in your movie like yeah. product placement, but I mean, you do see that it's Budweiser that they they bring out, which oh. is pretty much all you can get at cowboy bars usually. Well,
0: that's why, you know, I was going to say, it's not like cowboy bars are like, you know, you're not going to go in and get like a, a, you know, a Trappist Belgian beer or whatever. But some cowboys like Budweiser, some like Coors Light. I mean, there's still some choices. I've been into bars where they have like one beer on tap, but they'll still ask you yeah. what you want in a bottle or not. I mean,
2: I can't remember what my exact thought was at the moment. Maybe but they want a Corona. It was, it was kind of along the lines of... Um, it It just wasn't important. It was kind of a generic yeah filler to kind of let you uh, just another thing in the movie to kind of let you fill in yourself.
0: yeah, it wasn't a big deal. it just it just made me think about about that though, because I've seen it in other movies where they've done that. They're like, I'll have a beer, yeah. and they bring them a beer and and uh so so it's not like that this does it differently. It just always strikes me as kind of funny i I do like the old cowboy movies where they're like. Bring me a whiskey and leave the bottle. Yeah, like, you could probably do that in a bar now. They'll just and they charge you a lot. Slap
2: a coin on the counter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of my
0: favorite shows, Deadwood. You know, they always had just a bottle out there, and there. I guess you just pay for what you drink or whatever. <laughs> Bring me some of that rock gut. Um. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I didn't write anything else down about the movie. Oh, the only other thing I wrote down is uh, there is a Netflix series called um, Narcos, which. Doesn't happen in Mexico. It's um, it's the story of Pablo Escobar in Colombia, and I haven't finished it, but it reminds me of the same thing. It's 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 the drug wars in the '80s with when cocaine was flooding the streets yeah. and uh, Reagan or the government was trying to find out ways to legally or secretly send out their army to go to war, and that's what a lot of what this movie was about. It was we find out that all of this stuff is. If not legal, is sanctioned from way up high, basically the president uh, or that level, yeah. and saying just find a way to get this done. That's what um, Josh Brolin tells Kate. I think it's Josh Brolin tells her. Someone no, tells it her. It was
2: her her superior. Oh, the okay. FBI.
0: And they're like, this is all fine. You're not breaking any rules because they want this done. Yeah. So it reminded me. Um, I do like that show Narcos. As I said, I haven't I haven't finished it. Um, I'm not super into these kinds of things, but if they're if anything's done well, I'll watch it.
2: Have you seen any of that show Narcos? I have not. That sound I hadn't even heard of it. it sounds interesting. Yeah, though.
0: it's a, it's a Netflix show. Um if you ever watched um Entourage, it was um um what's the name of the it was uh Vinny's first first role was playing Pablo Escobar in the movie Medellin. Oh yeah.
1: If, if, If you're
0: an Entourage fan um, it's funny my, my friend makes fun of me because that's all I really know, knew about uh, Medellin and Pablo Escobar was from Entourage <laughs> and he's like you're a stupid fucking idiot <laughs> for learning about like important world manners from Entourage, from Entourage. <laughs> I was like, honestly I'd never heard of Medellin or Pablo Escobar before Like, I think I've heard Pablo Escobar but I didn't know who he was right. he might as well as been Cesar Chavez to me <laughs> oh he fought for immigrant workers no, well, maybe he did while he was killing other people. But. All right. So as I said, that's all I really wrote down about this movie. I mean, the movie was was good. I just didn't write down a lot about no, yeah. it.
2: I th- I thought it was an excellent movie. I and the the great thing about it was I don't know, a, you know, how much of that movie was actually intentional. I it it's one of those things that it was almost. Certain things in that movie that were just too perfect to have been planned out and um, shot and and done the way it was done.
0: Like visually or just... Uh,
2: visually, but the great thing... I mean, we've talked about dialogue ruining um, movies before, yeah. um, but this film kind of takes it a step further where just a lot of the long shots and the silence mm-hmm. just add to the general feeling of the movie. So it's very, it seems very deliberate. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not like a, a, a shot that's meant to be there to fill something. It's very deliberate. Mm-hmm. So everything in this movie just seems very deliberate and seems to serve a purpose, even though, like you were saying earlier, um, you know, there's certain characters that it, they really didn't affect the outcome of the movie at all. They were just there, but um, everything together just seemed very well put together and very deliberate.
0: Yeah, and um, Anna as our host said, I don't. I think she commented on it, wrote about it on the on the website. Was um that it was the movie was good and interesting, but if you really thought about it, it's uncomfortable because everything they were depicting was very realistic and very reflective of things like you could easily. This easily could have been a move. If someone said this was all based on a true story, I'd been like, okay, I can yeah, believe that. Yep. Nothing's too far fetched. Um, I'm pretty sure things go along with this. As I said, the, the acting was all pretty good. Um, Del Toro, even though he didn't talk a whole lot, he was really, for me, was really interesting to watch when he wasn't talking. I kept like, before they got into his backstory, I kept thinking like, who is this guy? Which is was the idea, um, Josh Brolin. He was one of those you know kind of adversary bad guys you see sometimes that are really charming and just laid back. They they make a point to show that he's wearing sandals at this important meeting, and you know that kind of shows how this character is: is that he's just he doesn't really fucking care and yeah. he's just casual and he could probably um, you know sign his name off on having sixteen people killed and it wouldn't really bother him and he would just go have a beer afterwards.
2: And there's the character in the movie that he's in the the second scene, so they they keep cutting back to this character, and you have no idea what this character has to do with any bearing on the film at all uh, you until, talk about the cop, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, until the Mexican cop, y- the- yeah. yeah, yeah. So you you see towards the end of the film what you have I, mean, I mean, you're you're expecting it to finally you know find out what he has to do with the film, but he's just a a, a normal cop with a family he interacts all of his interactions up until that point or with him and his son and his mm-hmm. wife. Um, so it, it's, it's something again, that doesn't need to be in the film, um, but serves a very emotional mm-hmm. purpose, uh, towards the end of the, the yeah, film.
0: Cause it shows, it shows how, um, how, how widespread or everyone can be affected. Yeah. And, and the character you're talking about, that was interesting because he doesn't really do anything that you like him or root for him, but I felt bad when he got shot, kind yeah, of, because, yeah. I, I don't know, mostly because of his kid, I guess, in the soccer game or whatever, but, you know. Um, you did talk about, and I agreed, you said part of the movie uh, made you feel like you were playing or watching a video game, and I thought the same thing. I've watched a couple movies like that going, going back to Lord of the Rings, where there's certain scenes set up where I'm like, I really feel like that they've just set up a level for a game. For this <laughs> one, I was like, I feel like I'm playing Call of Duty or something like that because it's it seems very first-person. Well, it's like, it is. like It's It's like a first-person yeah. shooter for part of, for and there part was of it. There were
2: several scenes. like the, the first one was when they're driving into Mexico uh, in this entourage mm-hmm. or in this caravan. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, when they're and the tunnels.
0: And it, yeah, and especially in the tunnels I mean even parts of it seems like a cutscene. So Kate goes off a, on a different path than the rest of the soldiers go and that seemed very video game to me and then meets up with, you know, has kind of a a, a confrontation with or Toe, and that that again felt like very video game to me. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yep. Like that could have happened in like uh, Grand Theft Auto or something like that. <laughs> Not necessarily in a bad way. Sometimes it just it takes me out of it. And, and video games are going to start taking over if they haven't already. Film as, as as entertainment. Oh yeah. Um, talking about, I'll start going off on some of my film rants now. <laughs>
1: about the theater. So
0: one of our people that always talks, there's this part where they're going through the the caves and there's footprints, and the person that has to say the obvious, it's like footprints and i was like i actually said (laughs) shut the fuck up
2: i didn't even hear any of that pretty quiet but uh, (laughs) but i was getting i was getting so fed up
0: there was a guy on your right like two seats from you that kept looking over his shoulder at one of our new people because we had a new person that had a popcorn bag that he was rolling up and unrolling again and again (laughs) And even the person that said footprints yeah. was looking at this guy. So if she's noticing him rolling it and this other guy keeps turning around and looking at it. And what I was telling Heathen is we need to start getting rid of some of these people and be more of an exclusive group. Not exclusive in what we watch. Like we do not not going to go out and only watch like foreign French films. Like we're still going to watch shitty films. but. I want to go to, to movies with people I enjoy going to movies with. And also, there might be other people that come that be like, well, I don't want to go to this group anymore. There's a person that yells footprints and this other guy that's rolling and unrolling popcorn. So I don't want to seem like a dick, but we've warned at least one of these people that yelled footprints t- twice before. And she's a really nice person and she's she spent money on put money towards our group but she's got to stop talking to the fucking film i sent a message to heathen who didn't go i said it's five minutes in and so and so is already not stopped talking to the film i was like i don't know if i can if i can take this um there was a small confrontation again the guy that wasn't part of a group that looked behind us and this was interesting. He kept looking way to the left, down the down yeah. the the row, and I was like, "What is that guy looking at?" So I looked down, and there's someone on their cell phone. But he was so far, the the guy that was mad could not see the guy that was yeah. on the cell phone. Like yeah, he, he had, had to lean forward yeah. to see it. And the guy that was on the cell phone was all the way against the wall. He probably wasn't bothering anyone. I thought it was weird though that he did have the cell phone right in front of his face, like he didn't keep. When I was texting Heathen, I had my cell phone like under my thigh with my popcorn bucket hiding it, and trying to cup it with the other hand. This kid just had it right in front of his face. And um, once once it was pointed out to me, it kind of bothered me. But it was so far away that I did. It wasn't even in my peripheral, so I was like, okay, I don't care. Yeah. Um, Then the kid gets gets up to leave. And the guy says, turn your fucking phone off. (laughs) And then the kid turns around about to say something. I was like, oh, we're going to have a confrontation because I'll probably. Because you don't know. Maybe the kid, maybe his mom was sick. Maybe someone was in the hospital. Like, that's the thing I'm always trying to tell Heathen is you don't always know the context behind what people are doing. So don't always jump Uh, on someone. I mean, I don't want someone to be on their phone.
2: And he was leaving the theater. He was walking out of the theater.
0: That's why I thought maybe something was going on. It, it, you know, if you're on your phone and then you leave the theater, it's possible. You know, possibly he was just a dick, and his girlfriend's like, "Well, if you're going to be on your phone the whole time, let's go." I don't know, but it also could have been possible, like you know, his mom was in the hospital. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, don't don't judge everyone until right. you get the whole
2: story. Even though I do it too, I'm I'm acting like all high and mighty. But um, <laughs> well, you knew the the kid kind of turned to him like he was going to say something, yeah, and then realized that this guy was a big dude.
0: He was big. He was older. Yeah. He looked like, um, he, he looked like a, uh, if, if Bono from U2 was like uh, an ex-Marine. It's a weird thing. He was wearing like these weird Bono, like, like amber colored, like glasses. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, not that necessarily the type of guy you think would go in and start regulating the cinema. Like I said, he, he looked, he looked over his shoulder like four times at the person sitting next to me with the yeah. popcorn and then to t- turn your fucking cell phone off. <laughs> And then I was like, I don't want to get shot in a theater.
2: See, that that bothered me, but what bothered me the most was after the film had already started, there was probably about six or seven people that walked into the theater. And this theater, since it was so small, mm-hmm. you could only get in to the rows from the oh, left yeah. side. Yeah. So there, you couldn't get to the row from both sides. So... These six or seven people, instead of sitting on the ends or in the front where there was plenty of seats, um, they decided that for some reason the row you guys were in that yeah. they had to have those seats.
0: Yeah, we had a few people that we had to. Well, and I actually I stood up, and then the theater's so small that <laughs> the people did get punished. There was some like bigger, older people trying to squeeze through, and people are like, "I'm not moving for you. You're here late." Yeah, I actually stood up, but I was like the only one. Um, the guy next to me rolling the popcorn, he wasn't moving for anything. <laughs> and his knees were like all the way against the front right? of the thing so they are basically having to like give him a lap dance to go across and he was kind of a weird guy well one I
2: mean. of them like hit me in the back of the head so i was like mother <laughs>
0: <laughs> just with all the violence and everything going on in the in, in in the shootings i just didn't want that kid to come back later and be like you motherfucker don't tell me to turn on my yeah. phone i just want to say hey let's go out and talk about it in the lobby for a minute and leave everyone else to watch the movie. Like, no one needs to get shot. Um, first of all, why we're on your phone, maybe you had a good reason.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you don't just start accusing people first. Let's see if he had a good reason. And if he didn't, then we'll tell him to shut the fuck up.
2: Yeah, you came in late, motherfucker, with your hot dog, your popcorn, <laughs> your nachos, and your 32-ounce drink.
0: It seems like a lot of the... Because I've been going to the later movies, the 10 o'clock movies um, with Heathen. And um, that's a that's a common occurrence, it seems like, when we go to like the 9, 40, 10 o'clock movies. Although this one wasn't a late movie. So I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, the later movies we've been going to... It, it seems like a, a wider uh, proportion of people coming in late. Yeah. And I'm not sure if they're just like, well, I don't want to watch 15 minutes of previews. So they overestimate it. But I... I I'm a person that if I miss, like, 30 seconds of the film, I'm like, fuck it, I don't want to go. Yeah. I don't want to go. Um, I even... I don't mind missing the previews in a perfect world. I don't
2: know. Well, so, for me, I like being the, I At least 20 minutes early, I like being able to pick my seat yeah. that I want.
0: Yeah, that's uh, when when he and I go to the late movies, we, we usually get there early and we kind of sit towards the back and we see where it's filling up and then we, we maybe move after that. Yeah, um, as our as our as our new strategy, and we try to do that with the film group sometimes too, as we try to get everyone to sit down so we can pick who we want to sit next to. <laughs> and it sucks for Matt sometimes because like oh, yeah. there's some people over there. We're not going to sit by Matt because that person's over there. <laughs> there's a few people there's a couple people in the group that i don't care to sit next to yeah
2: um, a certain J person
0: yeah yeah that that was actually the one a couple times so <laughs> oh they're both jay i was thinking of the tall J guy uh-huh but then there's the the footprints J person <laughs> um all right anything else about the movie
2: no, I mean, it definitely had a very political message to it, and um, I think it was very relevant to what's going on today. Uh, it was put together very well, like I said. Um, if it, you have a chance, while it's still in theaters, go see it. I mean, not everybody's going to like it, like the couple people that were in our group that obviously didn't enjoy it at all. But
0: Yeah, because it...
2: Um... I mean, it, it does deal with, a, with dark matter, and it... Yeah. it It's a dark film.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I thought I was going to have to wait to see it on Netflix, and I'm glad I saw it in the theater, because as I said, I was surprised how cinematic it was. I don't remember Prisoners being that cinematic, but I saw Prisoners at the drive-in, so I don't know how much I got out of it other than the tone. So go see it. I'm not sure if it does get nominated for anything. I don't know that it would win anything. The cinematography was good. The acting was all good, but I don't think any of it was good enough to win. Yeah, might get a nomination for supporting actor, but again, probably not good enough to win. We're getting, we're gonna get some real of those Oscar bait movies coming out now, like um, Eddie Redmayne playing the first transgender in the Danish Girl. Yeah. Um, what are some other? I don't know. It's all gonna be like people playing, like you said, people playing lesbians <laughs> and gays and and uh, and maybe uh, Ian McKellen is is Sherlock Holmes,
1: <laughs>
0: who's gay in real life. So right. You yeah. All right, let's go to the five the 5 so i'm going to rank we're almost at the end of the year and i'm going to rank my most anticipated movies that have yet to come out these i believe these all come out in december some of them if they do come out in december will be a limited release cuz i think the previews say they come out in january but they do come out in december so i'll start at the 5 and i'll go to the 1 so i'll go from the crust to the cream starting with number 5 my most anticipated movie coming up for december is the big short about the financial collapse that happened recently. I'm not super into economic things. There was a HBO movie that was very good that explained it very well as far as could be explained to someone like me that doesn't know a lot about um, domestic economics and how it combines with the world. But it's a, a good cast from what I can get from the preview. I think I'm really going to like Steve Carell in this film. It seems like that he's going to have another good performance. It's got Brad, uh, Brad Brad, Pitt in a role that we don't usually see him in. He's just kind of a crusty, old 70s look. Even though this happens in the, what, 10, 10 years ago? Less than 10 years ago? Just, he looks like, a, I don't know, just looks like a 70s Brad Pitt to me. We've got Christian Bale playing a part that we don't normally see him in too much. I think he's also going to be very good in the movie. Uh, we have Ryan Gosling, who as people know I think is very overrated, and he just looks like he's playing another Ryan Gosling <laughs> character. I was like, okay, no big deal. He's got a whiny voice. Um, I don't know if it'll be good or not. It really depends on the. Oh, one one of the things I was telling Heathen. One of the things I'm really interested in this is that um, Adam McKay is directing this, and he's not known really for directing dramas. He does um, he does comedies. He does you know he does stuff like uh, just you know. <laughs> comedies. He doesn't yeah. do serious films. But apparently he's a very um he's very interested in politics personally and I guess if you go to his Twitter and his Facebook page, he's always commenting on government issues and things like this so this is something that's important to mm-hmm. him. I want to see how he handles it as a director though. Yeah. Because um, you don't see a whole lot of comedy directors move to dramas. Not that this is going to be heavy drama, but it could be. Yeah. Number four, Krampus yeah. with Adam Scott <laughs> and... Uh, and I'm trying to remember the name of the dude that's in every single movie um, so yeah, I don't know how good this movie is but I'm looking forward to it I, uh, you know, it, to me it seems very similar to Gremlins I think it'll be a fun thing to mix into December with all the other serious movies and family movies going on we're also going to get a little bit of killing and um, and some dark humor and I think that will really break up the month pretty well number three for me is Hateful Eight it's kind of uh-huh. weird that a Quentin Tarantino movie would make it so low on the number three. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm thinking about using my travel privileges on the airlines to fly somewhere where I can see it. I might fly up to Portland, Mike, and see it. Um, Portland has a theater called The Hollywood that is uh, fitted with 70 millimeter. that will be able to show it how it's supposed to be shown. I, um, If I can get a cheap flight, I'd go with you. Yeah, I... Uh, I not the biggest Quentin Tarantino fan in the world, but I have liked all of his movies. Um, I think some of his movies are um what do you say? They they're they, they're not totally um, They've got some weak parts in some of the movies. For example, Inglorious Bastards I really like, but it has a couple scenes in it am like I don't really think that, that needed in there. Yeah. But then it has other scenes that are like so great and he's also one of those directors or at least a screenwriter um, since he's both but I think you get this more from his screenwriting that definitely has a style to his films with the dialogue it's not very realistic the dialogue it's the kind of dialogue that I would aspire to write being that it's very stylized but it's so enjoyable to watch like again I always refer to the opening scene of Reservoir Dogs when they're talking about tipping Um, also again very interesting cast like a lot of quentin tarantino films another thing that quentin tarantino has a skill for is taking actors that are out of the limelight or faded or people have forgotten about and he turns around and he shapes them into stars again like he did with john (laughs) devolta like he you know he's done this several times so you know i'm interested to see kurt russell hasn't done a whole lot lately so i'm kind of interested Mm -hmm. to see what he does with kurt russell Number two on this list is Revenant with Tom Hardy and, um, <laughs>
2: DiCaprio. and
0: DiCaprio. This is a film I definitely am going to want to see in a big wide screen. Same cinematographer as Birdman, which was one of my favorite films to watch recently. I haven't seen it since I saw it the first time, but I am up for watching it again just for the camera work. I was talking about Birdman just yesterday, um, talking about... Uh, I don't know, just, just the amount of planning and precision yeah. it takes to do those long takes. Yep. So, I'm excited to see that one. And then, of course, probably everyone knows what number one is going to be. It is going to be The Force Awakens. <laughs> it hit our news, and it is such an anticipated movie. I wonder if this movie is more anticipated now because the prequels suck so bad, or if the prequels never happened if this movie would be even more anticipated. Um, I think some people are kind of uh, afraid of getting excited for it because the prequels are so bad. Also, some people don't really like J.J. Abrams that much. Like, they liked the first Star Trek that he did, and then they didn't like the second one, so they're kind of worried about... It's a lot to live up to. But, you know, I'll go in probably liking it because I know... I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be better than Phantom Menace. And if it's better than Phantom Menace, I'm going to be excited. Plus, it's got Han and Leia and I guess Luke probably in the third act. It's got all the original Star Wars people we didn't see in the prequels. So that's exciting in its own. And our film page, some people said, well, they're just using nostalgia to sell tickets. I don't think they're using nostalgia to sell tickets, other than they're trying to. I think they are trying to take what made the first three movies. The original three movies, I I think that they're trying to take what people liked about those and move those two those move that to the new ones, but I don't think that they're trying to cheat at doing it. Yeah. Um. The the Kasdan who who wrote the script for this, he wrote the script for Empire Strikes Back. I think he also directed Empire Strikes Back, and he wrote the script for Return of the Jedi. He has, a very, um, he has a vision about how all these films tie together, and it's, it's about um, trying to reach your potential, trying to find out who you are at any age, whether you're a kid or an older person, saying, okay, I don't know exactly who I am. I know who I want to be, and I'm going to try to find a way to, to do that. So I think they're going back to the, these films. I, I think they're going to introduce some new characters to us. I think some of the older characters might have some bigger parts than we expect, like... Han Solo, mm. I think he might have a pretty big role until he gets killed off, which is my guess. I would put money on it that he gets killed <laughs> in these movies. I think I wrote that on the Facebook page, too. But
2: Yeah, I think it's, at the very least, I don't, I'm not expecting it to be an amazing movie, but I'm expecting to be able to walk out of that movie and go, hmm Yeah,
0: I mean, it's not like the first one was that great of a movie, technically, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it was just a Western in space. It was pretty cheesy, but... There's just so many things that, that made it universal. And even with with these new ones, even in the previews, hearing the music and seeing like the Millennium Falcon and things like that, I mean, again, that's trading on the nostalgia, but that's some, that was some good music that John, that John Williams did. Yeah, yep. So, all right. Let's head into Last Call, I suppose. <laughs> Last
1: Call! Looking at the world
0: through the bottom of a glass. All I see is a man who's fading fast. Last call. Any um, guess at the secret word? It is a feeling that someone has when something... Maybe they did something bad. Remorse? Oh, you're still on the right track, but that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) Next week... Well, actually, any other last words, Matt? No. No. I don't know if we will have a podcast next week. If we do, it'll come out on a weird time, like a Monday or something. We are seeing a double feature on Sunday. Heathen is hosting a Christmas free-for-all with Love the Coopers and... uh, What's the other one called? Before? uh, I just... The one with Seth Rogen and um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The night before, I think it's called. It looks pretty funny. Yep. We're going to see those movies. I don't know if we'll podcast that or not. We may take Thanksgiving off and and um, thank the pilgrims for giving the Indian smallpox. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And if you want to see, uh, like I said, I mentioned a, a clip to the short film that I was in. Go to our website, potablepictureshow.com. If you want to email us, potablepictureshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Potable Pictures. Do whatever you like. Until next week, everybody, I guess. Go ahead and keep it wet. Adios. All my neighbors are fast asleep And I can't find anything to drink
1: Mackenzie's drank all the great alcohol So I'm headed down the street to first call